Thank you very much, Q. Well, guys, after that reading, you might be thinking to yourself, huh? I like to keep you on your toes, you know? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into this passage uh, and see what it has to say to us about the coming of the King. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity that we get as brothers and sisters to gather in this space. And Lord, as we gather here today, uh, we thank you that we are remembering uh, the single defining moment in human history. Lord, when you, sh- you uh, truly revealed yourself to us through your Son, taking frail human flesh, Lord, I pray that this evening as we look over this passage in Hebrews and we think about it a little bit more, Lord, you might open our hearts to the importance of that event, to what it means not just uh, to us but for the world. Lord, we thank you for this. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, There was a TV show many years ago, some may remember, called The Great Debate. Does anyone remember that? few people, and they would get comedians and they would give them a particular topic or whatever it was, and they would debate, um, and sometimes they would debate on the issue and sometimes they would just say funny things and it wasn't really much to do with the actual topic. Um, It was always good to watch. Anyway, one uh, year or one episode, um, they had the topic of um, God. So that was the focus of the debate. I can't remember exactly what the question was. Um, but they had some, you know, who were for taking the affirmative, for following God, with the existence of God, and some who were against. Uh, and Andrew Denton, he, he got up and uh, he was uh, speaking against the following of God. And he, and he got up and opened it and he said, oh, there would be no worse guest at a dinner party than God. Because all he would do is just talk about his son over and over. I thought to myself, he's probably right. <laughs> Uh, a, a clever opening, but it's also probably true. You know, what would God talk about at a dinner party? Well, it probably wouldn't be the weather. It probably wouldn't be the upcoming World Cup or it wouldn't be, you know, the, uh, the, the Labor Party's chances in the next election. It wouldn't be any of that sort of stuff. He would probably just want to talk about his son. Because in his son, he has said all that he needs to say to the world. In his son, this baby in a manger, uh, we see who God is. We see the most significant event in human history. And in this passage that we've just had a look at in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews spends some time trying to explain that there is no better place to go to understand who God is than to his son. Uh, Hebrews is a, a famous book. Uh, it's been terrorising theological students for centuries because it's such a complicated book and um, uses a very high level of Greek. If you're reading it in the native language, it has this rhyme and this metre that it's kind of, um, you know, it's poetic in the way that it's put together that you can't quite translate into the English into another language. Um, but it's very intentional and very beautiful in the way that it's written. Um, who exactly wrote it? Not entirely sure. For many years it was thought to be Paul, but it's almost certainly not him. Uh, but a book that is written to a bunch of uh, Jewish Christian converts, and he's writing this encouragement to them uh, that they have made the right choice. They have made the right choice in Christ because Christ is better in every way. 
The only way to understand and hear what God is saying to the world is to understand the works of Christ. And here in this passage, the writer makes this long argument of how uh, Jesus is superior to everything else, superior to anything else um, in all creation. Um, In verses 5 and verses 6, he writes, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son? Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all of God's angels worship him. The community that he's writing to have become a little bit um, intrigued, maybe a bit preoccupied with angels, with the importance of angels. And they've got to the point where they're kind of focusing more on angels than on anything else. But instead of pointing out the the foolishness of this, he points to the fact um, that In the sun, they have something which is so far greater than the angels in every way. A really clever launching pad, rather than having a go at them for being foolish. um, He shows them that what they have in the sun is just so so much greater in every way than what they have in angels. Um, The writer argues that um, the angels were actually sent to uh, worship the sun, to herald his coming into the world. You know, uh, no, the sun has never been put there to um, herald the coming of the angels. Um, the opposite is true. Uh, he goes on in verse 8. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. God will crown the sun, his kingdom will come into glory and his rule will have no end. Um, his point is uh, this, this is the guy to follow. This is the one to watch. You're going to bet your money somewhere. This is where you place your bet on this character here. Uh, he, in further on the book, he goes into um, showing how what you have in Christ is this missing puzzle piece that puts together the old and the new, the, what that was uh, came before about God in the old and what we see in the new, it actually all finds its place together uh, in Christ. He's like that, that, that fitting piece of the puzzle that bridges these two things. He connects the old and the new. He connects humanity and God. He connects creator and creation, all slot together in the sun. So after we having explained all of this and for us to understand it, uh, he goes on in chapter 2, he says, We must pay most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Whenever there's a, uh, a, a passage with a therefore or something like that, you need to recognise what it is that's come before. And he makes this long argument about the supremacy of Christ. And after all that, he gets to the point and he says, now that you understand this, you must be careful not to drift away from having Christ at the centre of all you do and in all the way that you understand God. Uh, when I read this uh, during the week, it, it always interests me because, you know, you think of the early church, you think it's all, it's all like perfect in the earth. Like they, they're the ones who get it. You know, like the Spirit's doing amazing things and people are being converted left and right and centre and there's healings and there's people coming back from the dead and wow. But they actually have some of the same problems that still exist 
in the church today, um, the writer of Hebrews writes to those who have kind of just drifted away, who've drifted away from having Christ at the centre of all they do. And that thought interested me as I was preparing this, this a bit this week, that there is this warning in understanding who Christ is that we might not suffer from a problem that has plagued God's people since the very beginning of drifting away from what we know. Uh, He goes on in verses 3 and verses 4. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. The writer says, take note of what was announced by the Lord. Take note of this messenger, his son, because what he is delivering is this unbroken, continued revelation of who God is all the way from the Old Testament. And we see this evidence of it in the life of Christ, in his signs and his wonders. Don't forget, it's saying, about the magnitude of this man, of all that he has shown us and all that we have seen. Don't forget about how you first felt when you realised the power of the gospel, when you realised the nature of the Son. And don't fall prey to falling and drifting away. Uh, you know, this for me, I think, wow, this is really one of the great problems of our time for so many Christians, the long, slow drift from the sun, the long, slow drift from holding Christ at the centre of our lives and the centre of who we are. People drift in all sorts of different ways, don't we? Perhaps we, we, we drift away from Christ because of life. It has a habit of getting in the way of all sorts of things that you'd like to do, be it work or be it kids um, or be it just general busyness sometimes causes us to drift. Sometimes we drift because of hardship. Sometimes we drift because of disappointment. Sometimes we drift because we just can't maintain that fire that we first had Uh, The community that he's writing to, for some reason, are are drifting um, towards angels, right? They become a bit obsessed or preoccupied uh, with angels. They're starting to spend all their time and energy talking about, um, you know, the power of the angels and the way they interact with with God's people in the world and all this kind of stuff, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because in doing so, they're starting to neglect the sun. And in a similar way, sometimes we drift from the sun because of really unimportant things in life, isn't it? We drift because of things that rationally we understand aren't central to who we are. Yet, life happens, the years roll on, and we drift. Uh, I heard this story about um, this, this man who was kind of um, in, uh, in his, his later middle-aged stages in life. And one day, he thought back to his coin collection. He remembered, for quite some time, him and his dad had this really 
um, quite extensive coin collection, right? Um, you know, uh, rare coins or really old coins or misprints, all these sorts of things. There's a whole community of coin collectors and they had all these books and they kept all these coin collections together and they would go to coin shows together and they would, you know, swap and trade and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, and he kind of started thinking about that as he was an older guy and um, he, he started to, well, I should look these up. He started to look up these, these coin collections, some of the coins he knew he had. And he came to realise that this coin collection now, decades later, is worth thousands and thousands of dollars. He's like, oh, it's amazing. So he goes to his, um, through his stuff. He's like, where are they? He goes to his parents' house. He's looking through their stuff. And there's been a few moves over the years. And he's searching high and low. Um, and he realises that he has completely lost this coin collection now with thousands of dollars, just because over the years, he just drifted away from being interested. And he drifted into something totally different. This great treasure was lost because he had just drifted on in life into other things. Uh, and for me, that was a, a helpful story. Uh, you don't want to be the one that loses the treasure because as the years go on, you've drifted and it's fallen back into the wayside. You know, the imagery that the writer is using is, is nautical imagery. It's, it's imagery that you would use of, of a, a boat or a vessel that is on the water and is just slowly floating around. It's not something that happens quickly. It's not something that happens in a great rush. It's something that happens over time. And it's something that happens sometimes in a way that you don't even notice. Perhaps you just become a little bit less regular at church or at life group or whatever it is, or a little bit less regular in doing your quiet times or whatever it is. Before you know, you've drifted quite some way. Um, I remember once as a kid swimming in the beach and uh, mum said, look, look out, there's a rip. It's going down the beach. You know, you need to pay attention. Anyway, I got in, I was swimming for a few minutes, having a great time. And I looked back, I had no idea where I was. I'd been taken so far down the beach. So I got out, picked up my, my, little, boogie, my little boogie board and walked back up the... And I was like hundreds of metres down the beach. I said to my mum, what do I do? She said, well, you just got to find a point on the shore that's not going to move and just fix your eyes on that. And every time you turn around, make your way back to that point that is fixed so that you won't wander. You know, that's the, that same idea of, of what is it that, that stops drift. It's an anchor. It's something that anchors us, something that is unmoving, a point in our life that will bring us back. And I wanted to, to encourage you guys to think for yourselves, what are the anchors that brings us back to having Christ at the centre of our lives? What are the things, those unmoving points in our life that you know can help re-centre and refocus you as the years go on. Perhaps for some people, uh, an anchor for your faith might be service in ministry. Maybe that's a really helpful anchor for you. Um, maybe it's being involved in the work of the kingdom in whatever way, shape or form um, you, you can. Maybe for you an anchor is intentional time in retreat, in prayer or worship or whatever it might be. Perhaps it's being regular with your life group or being accountable with a, with a prayer group of people. Or, or meeting regularly on Sundays at church, whatever the different anchors might be for you, I want to encourage you this Christmas break to think, what are the anchors for my faith? What are the things 
that bring me back. Uh, and spend some time being intentional about re-engaging with those things. Let this Christmas season be a reminder for us not just to slowly drift from Christ, but to draw him back into the center of who we are. Simon, if I can invite you to come and pray for us. Ben, if you want to come up, uh, and we'll have our, uh, our final prayer and song together.